You're listening to the podcast for Gloucester Evangelical Presbyterian Church, a church in Gloucester, England. Well, this evening we'll be looking at Luke 22. Uh, it's the institution of uh, the Lord's Supper. And it, uh, especially as we've been looking at the Old Testament uh, for our first two uh, sermons on uh, Palm Sunday, uh, this adds a nice segue between looking at the sacrifice of Isaac and now coming to uh, the Passover and then here Uh, Jesus is celebrating uh, what is actually the last Passover. Um, This meal that Jesus celebrates is the last Passover that was ever celebrated. Yes, Passover continued to be celebrated, but at that point, just like the animal sacrifices, it was really devoid of meaning after that time. Uh, So here are these words Luke records for us in chapter 22, verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. They said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters, and tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I meet the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it would be who was going to do this. And it's a passage, um, as we've uh, taken uh, the Lord's Supper, as we've gone through the Gospel of Luke, it'd be a passage that is familiar. Uh, All the synoptic Gospels record for us, uh, this episode of Jesus uh, preparing, having the disciples prepare the Passover and then celebrating it with his disciples and at the same time uh, instituting uh, the Lord's Supper, which Paul later pulls on, which we read uh, when we do um, the Lord's Supper. And so it can be in the grand scheme of things in the Gospel of Luke, and it can seem like a, a small matter when compared with what we know is coming. Jesus is soon to be uh, imminent death and his resurrection. And so it can be easy for us as to read and as we flow through this, we've had the triumphal entry and now we have this small, almost intimate meal seemingly taken in secret. And then he'll be arrested, betrayed, and ultimately killed. 
But what this little story, this little vignette shows us is that a huge moment in redemptive history is about to take place. Because you'll, you'll remember in the Old Testament, there were three major feasts and every male Israelite uh, was required to take them. And, and obviously the feast that was uh, the pinnacle, if you will, of feasts would be the Passover, which Tim uh, looked at uh, last Sunday evening. The Passover was tied to this a momentous event where God really, if you will, uh, flexed his muscles in fighting against Israel's enemy and saved his people. But a lamb was slaughtered so that the Israelites might live. The lamb was slain in order that the Israelites would be saved. And so this meal then was to be done every year as a perpetual reminder to God's mighty act of redemption. But the Passover, as we see here, Jesus himself points out that the Passover always had an end point. There was always a time coming in the history of the world when Passover would find its ultimate fulfillment. And that's what makes this little story so powerful. Is here Jesus is alerting his disciples that not only is he coming uh, to die, which he's been speaking to them throughout the Gospels, but really the world is about to be Change Redemptive history is, is moving forward in a mighty and powerful way. This feast that is so integral and so important to the, the Jewish people, the people of God, to their identity, is now about to end. And it will end when not a lamb is slain or lambs are slain in Jerusalem, but it will end when the lamb of God is slain. When Jesus is murdered... When he dies, he actually accomplishes what those lambs could never do. And so we have here at the beginning of this Feast of Unleavened Bread, you, you have two things being put together here. You have the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is a seven-day feast, but it begins with the sacrifice of the Passover lamb. You can find this in Exodus 23, verse 15, when the Lord is instituting the three great feasts um, it's the Feast of Unleavened Bread that he speaks about having commanded you previously, and this is how you should then celebrate it. And so Passover starts the beginning of this seven-day feast. And so you have here in the first block of text, verses 7 through 13, wonderfully picturing in a, in a small way the Lord's provision. And as we looked at uh, Genesis 22, the passage begins with the Lord commanding and ends with those wonderful words of the Lord providing. And a sacrifice for Isaac, a sacrifice in place of Isaac. And here in this first section, we see again the provision of the Lord, that a place is provided in a way that seems to be supernaturally orchestrated behind the scenes. Again, Jesus has created quite a stir. He's a, a public person at this point. And we know his death is, is imminent and the religious leaders are after him. And so they plan to celebrate this Passover in secret. And so he sends Peter and John out that they might find uh, this random man carrying a jar of water. They're to, they're to go through Jerusalem uh, at a, a festival week full of people. I mean, imagine trying to find one person in Cheltenham during race week. Uh, it can be pretty difficult. And here they're supposed to find this one man carrying a jar of water to tell him that they need use of the guest room and that they may have the Passover there. 
Well, of course, they find this man. They then go to the room and they start preparing the Passover. And then it becomes here, once they're celebrating the Passover, which would just been a, a normal thing for Jews to do. They were required to do it, but it was also a, a family event, a family feast. It was a, a, a way to remember not only the Lord's provision, but also the way in which the Lord had taken those 12 tribes and formed them into one people. And it was also generally taken as they would sacrifice the lamb, you would also then take it back and with your clan or family would take this meal. And so it becomes even more special here that Jesus is not just celebrating the Passover, but he's celebrating it with his, his close friends, the ones whom he loves. He's celebrating it here. And so we have in this, this second section here, the Lord is instituting the Lord's Supper. He's instituting a new sacrament. He's changing or, or bringing to fulfillment and then commanding something now for the church to continue on doing. And it, does, it starts here that as they come and they recline at table, the, the table would have been set up as a, like an upside-down U, and people would have leaned on their left elbow and eaten with their right hand. And so that's why they are referring to being reclined at table. But he says, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And here Jesus uh, is, is not just joyful to be celebrating this festival that remembers God's mighty acts, though that is a, a part of it. But here he desires to eat this Passover with his disciples uh, before he suffers. He desires to do this because it reminds them or it shows them what Jesus will ultimately do, the fulfillment that he will bring about. And he tells them that I will not eat again, I will not eat of the Passover until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And later he speaks about not taking from the fruit of the vine until he takes it in the kingdom of God. It seems here that here Jesus is, is indicating uh, simply that the Passover is finding its fulfillment and that the Lord's Supper is what is, in a sense, taking over a lot of that uh, symbolism of Passover, uh, but doing it in a way that shows forth what's going to happen. Because you'll note the two primary uh, sacraments, if you will, in the Old Testament that find their way into the New Testament are both bloody events. Circumcision is a bloody sign. The sacrifice of the Passover lamb is a bloody event. But then we move into the New Testament and we have baptism, which is the washing clean. And we have the Lord's Supper, which we have wine and bread, a type of feast, even though the wine represents Christ's blood. It's a looking backwards and a looking forwards. But Jesus says, I, I will not drink again. I will not celebrate this again until the time in which it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And I believe what he's referencing here is that in the Old Testament, there's this expectation of this great wedding feast of the Lamb. Isaiah 25 has this great passage when the Lord swallows up death on the mountain of God. He then provides this rich feast full of well-aged wine and good meat. That the Lord provides this great meal after this great event, this great victory. And there's this expectation then that there is coming a day when the Messiah would come bringing in God's kingdom. And what do you do to celebrate? You, you feast. And what, what Jesus here is pointing at is that as the Passover is fulfilled in the Passover lamb, so the Lord's Supper itself will be fulfilled one day. So just as Passover has an end point, I believe the Lord's Supper has one too. It's looking backwards, but it's also looking forward. And, and what do we find at the end of our Bibles? Revelation 19 is the great wedding feast 
of the Lamb. Right? Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me as often as you gather together. Right? He, is, he is away, he is ruling in heaven, but one day he will be returning and with us and bringing in this kingdom of God, and he will feast with his people. And so he's telling his disciples that the Passover is finding the point at which it looked for with the lamb that was slain, and the Lord's Supper now is done in remembrance of me until this great and glorious day when I return. And so then Jesus takes the, the bread and the wine, and we know these now words very familiar, that he breaks the bread. And then uh, this is done, the body that is given for you. Jesus here showing that the bread that is broken will be like his body that is broken. He is the servant from Isaiah 53, the one who is pierced for our transgressions. John speaks of Jesus as the lamb of God. And that the point of the lamb is that it's going to be sacrificed. And so Jesus here telling his disciples and indeed all who, who are trusting in Christ that his body will be given as a sacrificial offering for our sins. And so our relationship with God will be able to be healed finally and fully in his sacrifice. But then he goes on and says, and likewise this cup after they'd eaten saying, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Coming from Jeremiah 31, this time where it looked forward to an even better covenant, a covenant that wasn't just merely external laws, but being written upon our hearts. As Jeremiah speaks about the law would then be written upon our hearts. And so with this, this new covenant that's being inaugurated here with Jesus, uh, there's these new signs, the bread and the wine, and this new covenant that is coming forth uh, speaks to just this wonder and really the, the majesty of this whole event here. And that really when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we're remembering this huge change that happens in redemptive history. Remembering the fact that Christ died in order that sins might be forgiven, that we might be brought into the household and family of God, and that we now have eternal life united with him. And the rest of this passage speaks about the ways in which Jesus would be betrayed, which leads us into the next section of the gospel. But we'll really move over that, um, really not to, to focus on that uh, this evening. But just to, to see here the, the glory of what the Lord's Supper symbolizes. Right? It, is a, it is a meal that is much like Passover. Passover looked back at God's mighty act of redemption. The Lord's Supper looks back at what Jesus has done, but the Passover was looking forward to a time in which the Lamb of God would be slain so the people's sins would actually be atoned for. And the, the Lord's Supper then looks forward to the great fulfillment of the wedding feast of the Lamb. And so whenever we gather to take the Lord's Supper, it, it's almost like there's a past, there's a present, and there's a future aspect to it. We look back on what Jesus has done. We remember who we are united to Jesus as one body, and we look forward to his return when we will feast with him. And in many ways, that's why I think the Lord's Supper, we, we see the, the Lord's Supper is actually even more glorious than the Passover was. And it's why there's, Christians don't celebrate uh, the Passover. And so we, we come to this and to the Lord's table that it's simpler than the Passover was, but the truth embedded in all of this is greater and more mighty even than the Passover. And so as we'll come, 
uh, in a little bit to partake of the Lord's Supper. It is good to just remember uh, the, the finality and the changeover that's happened, right? No more circumcision. It's a washing of baptism. No more sacrifice of the Passover lamb. It's now a feast looking forward to an even greater feast. And you'll notice in the passage the thing that is missing in the celebration of the Passover. We, we saw this in Exodus chapter 12. Right? The, the most important piece was the blood of the lamb. Here in this Passover and all the ones we have recounted for us, the lamb is missing. And I think that's deliberate. I think that's very deliberate that they don't talk about the lamb because clearly Jesus is the one who will be paying that price. Jesus will be the lamb who was slain. So I think it's very interesting that they don't mention this, yet this is exactly where the rest of this passage is going for. And so really simply, I, I hope this helps us as we see the Lord's Supper, the importance of the Lord's Supper, but also just simply the joy of it. And what it means to partake of it and the love it shows forth from our Lord Jesus Christ. So with that, let us pray. You've been listening to the Sermon Podcast for Gloucester Evangelical Presbyterian Church. You can find us out online at gloucesterpres, that's P-R-E-S dot co dot U-K.